Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack. We are back. It is almost Christmas time. Merry Christmas to everybody. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am one, one, just one, one third tonight, one third of the presenters on this extravaganza for the ears. Let me go ahead and introduce our, our, our others. Uh, we have Bill, KA9WKA, and the lovely and talented Russ, K5TUX. Hello, Russ. Well, hello. Richard and hello Bill from Studio 666N up there in uh the wilds of northern Illinois. How's it going? Uh, it's the frozen tundra this time. Uh we got a balmy 10 degrees out there. Well, you've uh set the standard, I guess. Although you're pro- you're not in Fargo, so I I wouldn't complain too loudly. That's true. So, uh yes, everybody, we have Bill, the infamous KA9WKA, with us tonight, and uh, he's going to stretch out the lack of content that we have, Uh so this turns into something like an episode. And be Studio 666, you got the devil in his shack. That's right. <laughs> you got the devil in it. It seemed like I saw a film like it once. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and Leslie Nielsen just passed away, too. It's very sad. And he had the devil in him, too. That's right. But um, it is the, the holiday season, the Christmas season, the, I don't know, pick your holiday of choice season. It's the end of the year season, and uh, this is our last effort before the end of the year. So uh, we'll say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Happy Hanukkah and, I don't know, Sam Hain. No, I guess that was a couple of months ago. Go ahead. Hanukkah's over. Hanukkah's over? I think so. I don't keep up with the Jewish holidays. I really don't. But go ahead and throw it, throw your hat in this ring here, Bill. Uh, tell everybody, uh, you know, give everybody some holiday cheer. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that would make me cheerful, especially if I don't have pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> That'll cheer me right up into a pawn shop for a 44. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want y'all to know that I'm filled with the spirits of Christmas, spirit of Christmas. I woke up this morning and I had this overwhelming joy in my soul. I had goodwill towards men, love in my heart. I wanted to go out and do good and make things right for people at this wonderful, wonderful time of year. I, 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 I wanted to help feed those who don't have food to eat. And I wanted to make sure that folks had good warm clothes and everything. And then I woke up. Somehow that doesn't surprise me. I thought you were going to tell <laughs> us about your new, your new present. That's why you were all happy and cheerful. What new present? Oh. Well, actually, yeah, the guitar fairy came by, 
And I, I guess I'm the guy that gets all the cast off stuff. But a guitar fairy come by. I got up and went outside to have a smoke, and I'm standing there having a smoke and turn around and look, and there's a guitar, uh, Washburn guitar sitting on the front porch. And I'm like, that's not mine. Mine's Tobacco Sunburst. That one's black. And I stood there and looked at it a minute and everything else, and yeah, okay. Looks like a decent piece of equipment. I'll have to go check that out. But we couldn't figure out where it came from. Uh, Brendan and I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out, well, where the heck this thing came from. And finally we found out that one of the boys ran across it and brought it by and set it on the porch. He knows if his mama's not here and I am, don't knock on the door because they might be a loud noise and the lights will go out. Let everybody know the record on that, that the house is only rocking when Richard's alone. Better. <laughs> So uh, you have a new Washburn guitar. That's good. Is it? Is it somewhere handy where you can give a little strum on it? Uh, I think it's no, it's sitting nowhere on the bench. Oh, that's too bad. I got half the strings off of it. What about your harmonica? Is that within reach? Uh, there's a couple, but they, I don't know. One of these times, you, you're coming off like a musician of some kind. You need to give us a little bit, a little taste. You know what? I play with myself. I'm going to see how long that awkward pause went. <laughs> It'll get cut down in the final mix. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're 30 minutes in on my recording, which means we're probably about three minutes in. Maybe we should get the show rolling here. Oh, well, roll the show. Roll, roll your own show. Hey, that's what we ought to do. We ought to make up all these little short segments. Here's an idea, y'all. Wow. I'm turned into freaking bill ingvall uh here's an idea russ and i'll record up a bunch of little like 30 minute and one minute or 30 second and one minute and five minute pieces and then we'll put them all on the website and instead of having a live show recording every other week we'll just have all these little segments on there and y'all can go over to the linux in the ham shack website you can click on the link that says roll your own and you can go in there, you can pick a piece of music and a segment and stick them together and another piece of music and build your own episode of Linux and Hamshack. What do you think about that, Russ? Um, I think if we do that, that we had better advocate that people roll their own before they roll their own. Sounds like a positive plan. All right, so let's go ahead and move on. All right, uh, this week I received uh, an email. I think on the other website, I'm sure there's one that came through on the Linux and Hamshack website also, is from Pete Landry, V2XPL. Well, it seems that Pete has uh, uh, decided to start uh, distributing a new website, and I say distributing, uh, called Wave Guides, the Wave Guides podcast, ham radio with a twist. It turns out that this is another one of those record a uh, net and try and distribute it as a podcast. Now, I had probably over a dozen people come to me uh, early on and say, and get me to help them do this, and I gave them the information, sent them on their way, and I really hope these guys uh, have good luck. Unfortunately, the, the one I listen to, Pete has got the style. He's got the voice. He's got the delivery. And the episode I listened to, his audio was really good, except for the uh, peep ops and uh, the self-satisfied lip smacks every once in a while. But uh, you could actually tell they were self-satisfied lip smacks. 
Well, you know the ones I'm talking about when you're when you're going along and you're talking and you're you're making a little bit of a point and at the end you smack them lips a little bit. You know, everybody knows somebody that does that. And uh, I don't think he was doing it on purpose. That that was all great. Unfortunately, the episode I listened to, it started off with environmentally friendly amateur radio and moved to manatees in Florida. Somewhere in there, we got to hear about the dog, his dog, Nanny, which was named after a manatee or a guy in a cartoon that was a manatee or something. Then it moved to freshwater conservation. Then it moved to arsenic-based life forms. Then it became a MUFON net. Then there was a long self-generated uh, advertisement for SETI. And in amongst all of this, his daughters were running in and out and everything else. And, you know, and I'm not trying to discourage the guy. He, like I said, his delivery is really pretty good. And his audio, at least on the episode I listened to, was pretty good. Uh, there were some other issues with it. And unfortunately, everybody thinks that if they can record a piece of audio, they can just stick it out there on the internet and call it a podcast. And, uh, I understand that. Folks would want to do that, but uh, Russ can tell you it's a lot of work. I can tell you it's a lot of work. Uh, maybe not so much for me on this show, but on the other show, when when we're putting out regular episodes, it's uh, <laughs> it is some work. Even when I'm sitting out there recording into my Sansa clip. But uh, anyway, all in all, uh, it's of the recorded net type podcast things. It's one of the better ones I've heard. Uh, you know, we got one here local, one of the clubs here local that still does one, and theirs is nowhere near as good as this. Of course, they record theirs off Echo Link also. Y'all take some time, go over and check out the Wave Guide podcast. And I really hate to say this, Pete, because I know you're a listener, but you've got a lot of potential. If you're listening right now, you've got a lot of potential. Please don't waste it on this. We've lost, uh, a lot of the good guys that had really good shows and, uh, you could probably come along and Russ and I are the first ones to say we encourage competition because competition makes us all better. So y'all go on over and listen to the wave guides podcast. It'll be at, uh, www.waveguides.ca www.waveguide.ca dot ca so uh did you listen to enough of it to uh have any kind of an op- opinion russ i think i listened to it enough to say that i will go ahead and listen to a couple of episodes just to see what becomes of it i don't know if it's something that'll stay in my podcatcher or not but i'm, I'm going to give it more than the the two minutes that we listened to it a little you know a few minutes ago um, if it is in fact just a, you know, recording of a net, which it certainly sounds like it is, even though the topics clearly ramble and there's no editing done whatsoever, uh, I, I have so many things on my list to do and so many things on my list to listen to that that kind of thing will not stay in there. You know, if in fact he is a, a decent podcaster, then, uh, maybe he could go ahead and keep these net recordings as either a side effort or part of another podcast where he does, you know, a true podcast with topics and issues and commentary and all of that. And every other episode, he just records the net and put it in. That way people can sort of pick and choose what they listen to and so on. That might be a good way to go. 
Um, yeah, yeah, and I don't want I don't want Pete to think we're slam, slamming him. I, you know, I I w- wouldn't want to be anything less than honest, in my opinion, for the simple fact I know he's out there trying to make a go, and um, he's got a lot of potential, and I'd hate to see it wasted. Yeah, absolutely, and and like I said, I will give it a chance. I mean, I'm not going to just listen to two minutes and go, oh, I can't stand that. You know, I might find something that's worth it. And uh, you you made the comment that everybody thinks it's okay to record, you know, 60 minutes or 120 minutes of random audio and stick it on the net, and that's good enough. Well, the thing of it is, if you listen to Hacker Public Radio, that's what they advocate all the time. They basically say, you know, if if you record it, somebody wants to listen to it. So I, I'm not sure which which side to take on that. Yeah, and yeah, you, you're right on that. Some of the most popular shows are just stuff that rambles. I mean, I used to listen to one called Erie Radio, and it's deteriorated so bad, but it's like a complete two-hour ramble fest with foul language and uh, as many commercials as they can stuff into it and everything else. And uh, However, the people that listen to it, still listen to it, uh, seem to love it now. You know, DK and Fizz, when they first started out, we spent a lot of time communicating back and forth via email, and I thought they had a really top-notch show, but it's gotten to be one that I can't listen to anymore. I was going to say kind of kind of like the action-action show, but unfortunately, um, it just got to the point that I couldn't stand to listen to Brian and, uh, and uh, Chris anymore. Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people lately. I'm not sure what that's about. I, I can still tolerate them. I mean, they're a little bit loony now and then, but... The, the content's usually pretty good, except when they go evangelizing to the point of extremity, which I can't stand from anybody, not just them. But let's uh, let's bring Bill into this, and I'm kind of curious, Bill, what's your what's your take on uh, podcast audio? Because we know you're a listener of various podcasts. Are you one of the ones who says just record it and put it out there, or are you on the selective side? And what exactly do you listen to apart from us? Uh, well. A variety, I guess. Um, they tend to lean toward the geeky side, of course. Uh, I do subscribe to Hacker Public Radio, though I will admit that I probably delete as many as I listen to. Um, several of them, the quality is so poor I can't stand to listen to them, uh, just from an audio standpoint. But by their very nature, you never quite know what topic you're going to get, so some are going to be interesting and some won't. Um and of course, I listen to Resonant Frequency, Linux in the Ham Shack, ICQ podcast, um, several Linux ones, uh, the Ubuntu UK, uh, Ubuntu UK UK podcast. I think it's you, fairly interesting. Ubuntu UK. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, you say that. Ubuntu um, Uck. That's the one. Yeah, that's right. And it's getting where it ucks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, and that's uh, HBR. Unfortunately, I loved HBR, but I had to get rid of it because it's just too much content, too much for me to go through. And um, in fact, Russ and I still owe them an episode. And of course, there's Linux Outlaws, which uh, I find entertaining. It gives a interesting perspective. Yeah, I will, I will agree with that. Now, you completely uh, avoided the other question, which is: Are you of the you know record it and put it out, or are you of the make a content worth listening to in an ideal world i would prefer the latter that that there be uh content worth listening to but 
without those folks that just decided to put it out there, whether it was worth it or not, there would be no podcasting. I mean, uh, it was uh, the hardy souls who, who started early and just threw something out there that, that invented the whole media. So you can't really say they shouldn't be there. One of these days, uh, you know, something, a real gem will appear that will maybe not have the best audio quality, but it will be entertaining and informative and, uh, It'll improve over time, just like I think uh, you guys have done. You know, everybody knows, and you know, I'm a, anybody who's listened to the other show knows I'm a one cut kind of guy. You know, to do it in one take, very little editing, and let it rock and roll. But um, even I sit down and do some editing on uh, resonant frequency. Otherwise, y'all really wouldn't want to hear some of the stuff there. In fact, uh, in the contributing user area, if you go over there, you'll find a couple of segments I put up there without any editing at all. Every show has to find its niche, has to develop its own personality, and that may be pretty much what uh, what pete's trying to work with up there and it's like i said i'm not trying to discourage him i just want him to know that uh, he's got a lot of potential and he could really do something in the podcasting area and we like like i said we like competition because competition makes our show better yeah and i don't think anybody mentioned one of my favorite uh, Linux podcasts, and I, i'm going to actually send them some feedback so i can get on there because i really like it but Either of you guys listen to Tux Radar? Oh, no, I haven't. No. Well, you guys should definitely listen to Tux Radar. They're a lot of fun. Uh, uh, sometimes they're a little light on content, um, but for a fun listen, if nothing else, they're definitely worth it. Um, there's three, there's, well, usually four of them, sometimes three when one of them's out of the country or whatever. They're all writers for um, a magazine in the U.K. called Linux Format. They have a podcast called Tux Radar. It's well worth a listen if you guys don't listen to it. Very good. I'll add that to my list. That's that's excellent. My new keyboard's quieter, isn't it? A little bit, yep. (laughs) There you go. And, uh, you know, I've had to eliminate a lot of the ones that I listen to. You know, I've listened to some that were just really, really bad. And some that, you know, one of the best examples I can think of is Jerry Taylor. And I hate to keep bringing up Jerry, but Jerry's more than an acquaintance. We're, we're part of the way to, to friend kind of thing. And I kind of miss him because he was putting out a good show. It wasn't our style. Wasn't the way Russ and I would do things, but variety is the spice of life. And when he first started out, you could hear that he was just scared to death recording and uh, that he was having a little bit of an issue getting the information out and everything. And it got really professional and really polished and sounded really good fairly quickly, even though Russ and I both agree that it was a little bit overscripted. Well, he never moved past us at iTunes, but he got real close. Yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah, I had a hard time listening to Jerry at first, but he, he grew on me. And uh, as a callback to what I said earlier, Tux Radar is at tuxradar.com for those who are interested in listening to it. And uh, maybe we should move on to the next thing. Oh, and by the way, if you're interested in checking out the Waveguides podcast, waveguides.ca, which I think, which I know Richard already said, but and it'll be it'll be in the show notes. Thanks to our lovely secretary, Bill. Yes. 
Well, you know, we had another subject for this first segment, but we've gone a little bit long. I think we probably ought to head for a break real quick. What do you think, Russ? Are, are you incontinent tonight or what? Well, no. I just think we've been. <laughs> That's right. I'm in the same continent. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, sure, that sounds good. I can find something to spin. All right. We'll play the music, and we'll be right back. Okay, and we're back. All right. Um, um, I was reminded during the break that we'd been remiss, and I would like to uh, uh, say a special, special Linux in the Ham Shack hello, welcome, and throw my hand in the air in appreciation to all 
our dedicated Badger listeners. We haven't mentioned a Badger one time in the last episode. At least that's the count that Russ has. I unfortunately slept through most of it. So I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. However, I want you to know that any expulsion of gas, gases, uh, strange furry critters, anything else, if there's a problem that y'all need to check into or you're just mad because we did not mention any badgers in the last episode, send your emails to ka9wka at badger.net. Do you ever, get, right. do, you, uh, huh? do you ever get any hate mail, Bill? I haven't received hate mail, like mail, go to hell mail, no mail. Yeah, y'all, just very little. Y'all send Bill some mail. He's feeling left out. Out left. <laughs> out left is more like it. Out left. And other. He's in the frozen tundra. I'm sure he has some penguins up there, which is a good thing because this is a Linux show. Unfortunately, badgers are kind of slim this time of year. They're all cuddled up with their little badger families. Got the fireplace DVD in the badger set. You know, they got hot popping badger corn going on and it just all kind of visions of badger plums dancing in the head. Badger, badger, badger. Now we're going to make sure that badger is said plenty in this show. All right. <laughs> and just like all good badger families, they have a new Xbox kinetic or whatever that thing is. Connect. Oh, Connect, yes, the Xbox Connect. Ah, Dancing Badgers. Badger, 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 badger. <laughs> and uh, I hate to play the straight man like I always do, but I see by the Etherpad that you've done some work with GNOME 3 and Unity. Why don't you Ooh. tell us about it? How do y'all like that really smooth segue? How y'all like that? Russ is getting really good at this. You know, Russ was scared to death when we first started this thing, but he has really, really come into his own. Sooner or later, it's going to be like ancient Rome. He's going to have me poisoned so he can take over. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I have spent some time over the last two weeks. Um, let, let me set this up for y'all a little bit. Um, a couple of weeks back, I was listening to some of the, some of the Linux podcasts and it seems like all the hosts, uh, well, let's not say all the hosts. I was listening to Larry Bushy and, uh, and Tom's show. Uh, 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 what's the name of it? That would be Going Linux. <laughs> going Linux, yeah. Uh, and Bill helped me out getting that into Etherpad. Uh, the Going Linux podcast, and I was also listening to uh, Linux, the Linux Mint podcast. Uh, that's another one that uh, questionable audio quality. But uh, I'm gonna make everybody mad before it's over. Um, I think there was another one I was listening to also, and they were all freaking out over the fact that 11, Ubuntu 11, uh, 1104, 1104 is, uh, going to be shipped with Unity as the default desktop. I was talking to Russ about it. We were going to say something about it on the last show, but, uh, we ended up running out of time. So I decided to go ahead and, uh, not only, uh, grab Unity, uh, the best copy of Unity I could get my hands on, without too much uh too much effort because i've been kind of busy and uh i went ahead and grabbed uh the gnome shell which is supposed to be part of gnome 3 when it comes when and if it ever comes out and if y'all remember we did have a an interview with somebody from gnome and i can't remember the nice lady's name but uh she was telling us about it i had taken a look at it It looked kind of interesting so i went over to my test machine 
and had a horrible time getting these things installed, mostly because of my in my uh, limited ability is where Linux is concerned, not so much because of the software. However, I did eventually get GNOME 3 in and running, or not GNOME 3, but the GNOME shell. The interface in the GNOME shell is different. What machine did you install it on? What kind of uh, Linux did you use? Uh, it was, uh, it was Ubuntu, uh, 1010 on a old e-machine that I, we bought my son for Christmas a few years back and he decided he wanted something better, went and bought a Dell and brought it back over here. And, um, you know, it's, it's not overly populated with the memory and that kind of stuff, but it was, uh, Ubuntu 1010 and I went and downloaded Gnome shell, did what I needed to do to get it up and running and fired it up. Now, one of the things you can do once you have that installed, you can install it behind what you've already got running as far as your regular GNOME desktop. And you can go in and, uh, I probably should have had that, uh, the page up I'm fixing to say something about, but you can go in and type, I, th- I believe it's GNOME shell, uh, dash dash replace in the terminal and it'll go ahead and bring up the GNOME shell. When you reboot your computer, it will go back to whatever your default desktop is. So it's easy enough to play with GNOME Shell without actually uh, worrying about it messing anything up or it being installed and you not being able to get back to where you're going and all that good stuff. So I went ahead and fired it up. I kind of looked at some screenshots and stuff like that before. It allows multiple desktops. It reminds me somewhat of some of the stuff that Compass does. There's a button in the corner. You can go up there and hit it, and it backs out and shows you all all the desktops there with some information on the side, favorite applications, and uh, different stuff like that. Uh, the ability to put uh, panels on the desktops is not there right now. Maybe later. Uh, I use my panels more than anything else. You know, it's kind of a neat, kind of tidy kind of thing. It's different. I can see where for some people it might be better than what we've been using. Now, let me add to this that I am a GNOME fan. I've been using GNOME for six or seven years now. I moved to GNOME from uh, KDE 3. whatever the heck it was uh, because I needed a lighter desktop for the machine I was running at the time didn't want to change but now i found that uh after using it this long i can do everything with nautilus that i did with conqueror and all this other good stuff so i'm a i'm a diehard gnome lover so this is a little different however it does have advantages you can pull apps down out of the favorites menu or out of your applications menu and drop them on the desktop and they open it's easier to move stuff around which is uh Something I seem to have lost in my regular GNOME desktop because uh, I've got my workspace switcher down at the bottom. Used to, I could grab an app and just pull it down the uh, workspaces and drop it somewhere else, and for some reason I can't do that anymore. After doing that, after working with it a while, and y'all are going to need to go over to GNOME and take a look at some of the screenshots, go over to YouTube, look at some of the videos on this stuff, because it's something it's something new and different. Uh, they're trying to get us out of that stereotype where Linux has to fight that stereotype of being difficult and hard to work with and everything else. And I can see why they're moving that direction. I just hope they don't overcomplicate it the way they did KDE4. 
So before we move on to Unity, uh, Bill, Rush, y'all got anything? My only experience with Gnome Shell is right after we talked to Stormy Peters about it, it wasn't ready for prime time then, and I don't know that it's ready for prime time now, because when I tried to get it installed, I did the replace thing to replace the window manager with the Gnome Shell, and my computer went straight to hell. So I haven't really played with it, but I have seen screenshots of it, and unfortunately for the way I set up my desktop, my desktop is usually pristine. There's nothing on it whatsoever. I do everything from the taskbars, top and bottom, and anything that sits on the desktop, like Conky or Gnome Shell or or whatever that actually takes up desktop real estate is completely useless to me. So I'm not a big fan of the way Gnome Shell works. I can do everything from the top and bottom menus, and uh, it keeps my desktop clean. Uh, plus, well, I like to be able to see my desktop background. So uh, go ahead and disagree with me. I was going to agree with you. No, it is not ready for prime time yet. It still has some issues, but it has come along quite a bit since the first time I gave it a shot. And I can see where it could be turn, could turn out to be something that is, is beneficial to a lot of people. And over time, I might even find it attractive on some of my machines. But I'm like you. I do everything from my, my top and bottom panels, you know, uh, I pull out my, I've got my favorites sitting right next to my menu in the panel. I've got, uh, uh an indicator to show me when my, uh, media players are hooked up and when X chat's open and all that other stuff. And plus the fact I've started using compass pretty heavy lately. So I really don't want to change to this now simply because I'm really liking the way I have compass set up on, on these machines. Because, number one, it makes it quicker and easier, and like all good amateur radio operators, I like pretty things. Yes, I like the eye candy as well, but I definitely don't like anything that takes up my screen real estate. If it's not in the top and bottom panel, then I'm using it for a window for something. And even in the case of my media PC, I actually um, auto-hide the taskbars just so I can have even more desktop space. You know, like I say, I'm I'm not a big fan of of things like Conky or, or Gnome Shell, stuff that takes up desktop real estate, especially when 90% of the time it's going to be hidden by something else anyway. I don't know. That, that's my take on it. What about you, Bill? Well, wasn't Unity originally designed to be a uh, netbook? Well, we're not even talking about than desktop. You're, you're jumping ahead. We're talking about Gnome Shell. No, you were talking about Unity, too, weren't you? No. Well, that's one of the reasons we started with Gnome Shell is because... Well, I can get to it more when we're talking about that, but uh, in answer to your question, yes. <laughs> we, you, no, no, no. We're talking about Gnome Shell. It has nothing to do with Unity. Okay. <laughs> I'm not I'm not either. sure I see the point of Gnome Shell at this point. Well, Gnome, see, Unity is the way that, that Ubuntu is taking Gnome. They're, they're writing Unity to be the, the way they want Gnome to look. Gnome shell is the way Gnome wants Gnome to look. That's that's the difference. Okay. So have you uh, taken a look at uh, any of this? Have you seen a screenshot of the Gnome shell, Bill? No? I assume not? Uh, not really. I've heard uh, other podcasters talk about it, but I haven't explored it. Yeah, it basically just puts an online menu on your desktop. At least that's the way it looks like, you know, to me. And where Unity, which we're going to get to in a second, is is a little different than that. Well, so so why don't we move into Unity, since Bill knows a little bit more about that. 
Okay, hang on just a second. Or we can just grind to a screeching halt. Well, you you waited till I started typing, then you <laughs> then you. Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! Uh, LiveGnome.org, Gnome Shell, uh, screenshots. Yeah, that's where I'm looking. Okay, let's go ahead and get that one uh, pasted into the show notes. But Russ hates this when we stop like this because it's like extra editing. Yeah, because because <laughs> I have to do stuff. Yeah, no. So that's why you get that's why you get so highly paid. That's right. So, so now that we've given Bill thirty seconds to look at the screenshots, I can ask my question again. So, Bill, what do you think of Gnome Shell? <laughs> well, it sure is pretty. I'll give you that. But um, just looking at screenshots, I'm not sure that I see a great advantage over what we've already got. Am I uh, just being thick here, or is it? Uh, what is revolutionary about this that should make me want to upgrade to it? Well, that's a good question. And in my mind, there is no reason to use GNOME Shell whatsoever, and I've already given my reasons for that. To me, it just looks like a drop-down that's always open, which yeah. is kind of pointless. But when you uh, when you click on a desktop, the desktop goes full screen. So the stuff on the side disappears. Well, I mean, that's that's fine, I guess. But then it has to be brought back up anytime you want to access something that's on it. So presumably it has to be extant on the screen at least uh, a little bit, like maybe a, something a pixel or two wide, or there has to be a keystroke associated with it. You see up in the corner where it says activities, when you click activities, it goes to what you see in that screenshot. When you click on a desktop, it goes uh, goes to full screen for that desktop. And you can have multiple desktops. The copy that I ran, you could have a maximum of nine. No, 12. You could have a maximum of 12. Uh, once you do that, you don't have any panels except the top panel. And, uh, another, another way to do it also is when you're in full screen mode, if you go up to the, the very top left corner, run your mouse all the way up in there, you don't even have to click the activities button. It goes ahead and brings it back to this screen here. Also, when you back out on those screens, it will show you all the applications you have open in that desktop. Uh, in this case, there's four. And for those of you uh, following along at home, we're currently at live.gnome.org, uh, capital G, Gnome, Shell with a capital S, stroke, screenshots with a capital S. We'll have that information in the show notes. For those of y'all playing along with us or uh, those involved in time travel, Okay, uh, you will be able to come to the past and listen to us and go take a look at it. Yeah, I guess you have to scroll further down, um, third picture down on that page, and it'll also give you the option of the kind of the gnome do thing, where you can switch back and forth. If you anybody in the chat room or any of my other two co-hosts have played with gnome do. Okay, so now we've gone kind of off track, maybe sort of. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. To me, the whole thing just looks like something that Windows 7 does a whole lot better. The The way this is shown in the, the live GNOME.org screenshots, I mean, uh, your taskbar, your top taskbar, which I guess is the only one in a normal Ubuntu install, for example, it, it's like they just removed the menus, the start menu, and replaced it with the activity menu, which is GNOME Shell. And when you do that, I guess it has some more dynamic function than the start menu, 
but unless, like Bill, I'm being completely thick about this, I don't see the point. Well, and once again, it's uh, us or the developers, I believe, trying to grab something that they think is going to be easier for people that are new to Linux to use. You know, that that's the thing. We're trying to get market shares, so they're heading that direction in the case of GNOME. Now, Unity, on the other hand, uh, Shuttleworth wants it to be, it wants Ubuntu to be different than any freaking thing else. He wanted it to be Apple until everybody got mad about the buttons at the top of the screen. Where this is concerned, I'm sure it's another attempt to make things more usable, just like KDE 4, uh, something easier for new people to use, even though it will cause some, there will be a learning curve for us guys that have been around. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm sure that we'll be able to get GNOME 2 for uh, a long time, and it'll be supported for a long time. Anyway, let's move on to Unity so we can uh, we can get on through this. Uh, unless y'all have got something else before we move on. Bill, I'm I'm tapped on, on GNOME Shell, that's for sure. Yeah, me too. This moves us on to Unity. Initially, taking a look at Unity, the first thing I thought, the first impression I got was it's Gnome Shell. It's Gnome Shell with a, a bar down the side like my cell phone has, which uh, didn't really impress me much, and I'm still not totally impressed. In the situation I was forced to deal with, unless I wanted to go over to the wiki and download the current alpha copy for uh, Natty, which is going to be the next distribution of Ubuntu, Unless I wanted to do that, I had to work with what was in the repositories. Now, once again, I said earlier what I had time to do. And uh, what I had time to do was go to Synaptic, find it, and get it installed. So what I ended up running was the the Netbook Edition, which is currently uh, doing its thing and the best it's supposed to be at this time. Now... As we go along, what little bit more I know about it, I'll go ahead and add in. Can we just say that Unity Ux and move on? <laughs> Unity Ux? Yeah. Well, if you want to, we can. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I'll I'll get that out at the end. You go ahead and give us your assessment first, and then I'll just say Unity Ux, and that'll be that. Unity Ux. Well, you know what? If it's damn computer work, right? Well, looking over the, the Ubuntu Unity page here, and we'll put the link, of course, in the show notes, it, at least there's a, a goal here that, that I'm not seeing clearly for GNOME 3. This one seems to be focused on touch screens or the potential for touch screens. So uh, that that's an interesting niche that they're looking at. Uh, apparently, they're seeing a broader market for touch tablets and uh, netbooks. I think that's a fair assessment, and I think a lot of people have pointed out that the fact that it looks kind of like the iMac dock on its side is in line with Shuttleworth's idea of turning Ubuntu into macOS, and the fact that everything is sort of iconized makes it useful for current netbooks and also for future uh, touch-type applications, like for tablets or for phones or anything else that might use that. However, I think what's got everybody up in arms is the fact that they're going to designate Unity as the default test, uh, default desktop for a desktop. And I think you'll agree with me, or at least 
I'm going to say that I think as a desktop desktop, Unity is horrible. And, you know, I went over to one of the developers' blogs. I've got on Facebook, I'm attached to one of the Ubuntu groups, and they put out updates and stuff over it. He put out an update there. They're doing the bite-sized bug thing at the moment, trying to hammer out uh, some of the bugs. And I went over and took a look at some of the stuff they squashed. And down at the bottom, he said, well, if you have any comments, let me know. And in the comment section, I said, could you make it look less like a cell phone? <laughs> of course, his response was, How, what kind of cell phone do you have? It looks like Unity. So I told him I got a cheap little Samsung, and it looks like it because it has uh, the same panel on the side taking up some real estate and that's my biggest problem with the thing however i saw a video recently that was also put out by somebody else over at the ubuntu wiki showing the kind of project progress they're at at this point with the alpha uh and one of the things that's going to be involved in that is is that when you take a uh, take a window and move it over where that panel is the panel will disappear when you move the window or close the window, the panel will come back. Seems like a lot of work. Maybe they'll figure something else out on it. But uh, one of the upsides also is that, as opposed to GNOME Shell, where I really haven't had the ability to add uh, GNOME-type pa- GNOME type panels to the desktop or any of the desktops, uh, in Unity, I believe I was able to add the panels at the top and the bottom so that I had uh, was able to get back some of that functionality. Now, remember that I was running the Netbook Edition because that's the only one that is currently complete and supposedly bug-free version at this time, and they've made some advancements. But, yes, I'm, I'm sure they're moving towards touchscreens also. And, uh, you know, before long, our old la- laptops are probably going to be outdated and everything's going to be like a like a iPod or, or iPad or something like that. But at this time, I think they may be a little bit ahead of themselves. And, yes, from what I'm hearing, everybody's losing their minds because uh, they have slated uh, 11.04 Natty to be released with Unity as the default desktop. Well, while you were talking about that, I, I went ahead and moved my I, I, uh, the dock on my iMac over to the left, and I'll be doggone if it doesn't look just like Unity. Well, Shuttleberg, uh, shuttle, Shuttleberg. Shuttleberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Shuttleberg. Yeah, he's he's from Fredericksburg, Texas. Uh, anyway, Shuttleworth has made no bones about the fact that he is going after the Apple market. He wants Ubuntu to be like uh, the Macs, and I really don't see the point because Mac already has a Linux variant over in their camp, but. The whole point is that's the reason they moved the buttons on us last time around. Everybody lost their mind about where the buttons were on the windows. You know, I found it difficult to use after it being another way for so long. So I moved mine. Russ, I know you moved yours and, and everything else. You know, there's good and bad about this. I found it kind of easy to use the Unity interface. It was kind of difficult to find some of the stuff I needed to find. I had to figure out how to get it up, get it where I needed it, and that kind of stuff. I mean, you can open up. There's an icon on the bar on the one I'm running that you can click, and it takes you into all your applications. And you can pull those applications over into the panel on the side 
so that you have them there and accessible. There's also another, uh, another icon on that same panel and it's not visible in the screenshots I'm looking at, which we'll have listed in the show notes. But there's also another icon in the panel that when you click it, it will show you that same menu that's on the side of GNOME 3, which is the reason I went ahead and lumped these together because this right here to me, after running both of them side by side for a week and a half, two weeks, uh, this is them taking GNOME 3 where it was when they started and adjusting it to suit uh, what they're looking for as far as the next desktop for Ubuntu. It seems like there's a fallacious argument from Shuttleworth going after the Apple market. seems like if he's going after any market, it should be the Windows market. Regardless of that, I mean, it, he obviously likes the way Mac OS works and the way the Aqua desktop works because he, because he's, you know, trying to make Ubuntu look as much like Mac OS as possible. It's hard to fault somebody for having a vision, but I don't necessarily see the point of making a copy of it. And I can understand why Ubuntu on a netbook or a tablet device might benefit from the Unity desktop, but making it default for the desktop distribution just doesn't make any sense to me. I think if you're going to stick with GNOME, stick with GNOME that looks like GNOME, uh, and if somebody wants to, uh, if somebody wants to change to Unity, make it easy to do that. Um, but don't make it a default on the desktop. Personally, I've switched back to Debian on all my machines just because I don't like the way Ubuntu's headed. If they make it the default, then new users are going to go straight to it. You know, those guys that know how, we, I'm sure we'll be able to go back in there and put things back the way we want it. It's a, it's a minor inconvenience for us. You know, uh, I haven't actually, the only thing that really stops me from going back to Debian is the fact that it would take me so long to get it set up the way I needed to, needed to have it as compared to Ubuntu, which once it, once the desktop, once the thing's on there and running, I only have to add a couple packages and then I'm where I need to be. Generally, GNOME itself, uh, unless you're with a distribution, that's one of the things that drew me to Ubuntu is the fact that it had progressed to the point that it looked so much better on a, an Ubuntu distro than it did on others is one of the main appeals for keeping me around. I have no qualms about saying that it was purdy. <laughs> but this whole Unity thing, I don't dislike it after using it for the limited amount of time I've I used it and the limited capabilities of the copy that I used. But you're right, you know, it's, it's kind of like if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it seems to me they could have poured this effort into GNOME, which the version of GNOME that's been running on Ubuntu has always looked so much better than on the other distributions. I really don't know why they feel like they need to screw with it. Well, they, they're they trying to be different while they're trying to be the same. You know, it's like they're trying to be Mac OS and copy that without being a copy of it, which I'm not sure I get that. But we should we should probably wrap this up. Let's see if we can get Bill to have his final say on, on GNOME Shell and Unity, and then we'll uh, move on to the next thing. Okay, well, one of the <clears throat> questions on the Ask Ubuntu site is... Uh, Essentially, will Unity be the only option during install of uh, Ubuntu 11, whatever? And the answer that was rated the highest was that, uh, yes, it will be the default desktop if your hardware supports it. 
If the hardware does not support it, it will fall back to GNOME 2.whatever. And they also go on to say that GNOME 2.x will be available as Ubuntu Classic Desktop in the login screen. So once you've got your machine installed and running, if you want to fall back to the other look, you have that choice at login. Well, I kind of like the idea of having that as a, an option in the, the login screen. At least you have access to uh, the earlier version if that's what you want to use. But interestingly, what are the hardware requirements for having buttons on your desktop? I'm not sure I get that. Well, I don't know either, but clearly that whatever they're doing is requiring a little bit more graphics hardware probably than than default GNOME might. Well, that's true. There might be some Compass Fusion or something underneath it that requires 3D acceleration for graphics. I guess, well, I guess exactly. that makes sense. They have recently moved into uh, incorporating some of the Compass stuff into it, and that's probably exactly what we're talking about here. I don't remember to what extent, but I understand that they went as far as they could with what they were working with, and to be able to go any further, they had to start incorporating the Compass Fusion in it also. So, yeah, it probably has to do with uh, the graphics end of it. So yeah. if you've got the option of logging into your favorite GNOME desktop uh, and bypassing Unity, I'm good with that. I don't care. Yeah, I'm good with that, too, except it means you're taking up more disk space, installing two desktops instead of just one. But I guess on well, a modern machine, that's not that big a deal. Yeah, disk space is so cheap anymore that I don't know that it's a big worry, is it? Oh, not really. I just wanted to find one more thing to complain about. Well, I mean, yeah, in the in these days of 500, 800 terabyte, terabyte drives, I mean, disk space, I'm uh is bare I, I don't even give it a thought anymore and it used to be my priority when way back in the day when we was having to work with 60 gig hard drives or 60 meg hard drive excuse me yeah you know, i'm sorry i go back to five megabyte i thought i'd never fill that thing my yeah. first one was 10 <laughs> back in my day all we had were eight inch floppies I was there, too. Yep. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was quite an improvement for us. And as we slide off into the historical aspects of this stuff. Yeah, let's get a, the dinosaurs out of the room. And <laughs> we, we we were in the high cotton. We had a Commodore uh, Lieutenant Colonel, and it was a whole 10 megs, a whole 10 megs of storage. We were never going to fill it up. <laughs> That's le- right. less than one so, application right now. So we pretty much beat this horse to death. Um, yeah, so Gnome Shell and Unity look forward in your version of Natty Narwhal. Yeah, Natty Narwhal. You know, that's the reason Bill ain't said much during this segment. segment. He's been sitting back giggling. <laughs> it's Natty Narwhal. <laughs> yeah, or he could just stick with <laughs> Linux Mint and not worry about it. Oh, hell no, I'll never go back to Linux Mint. <laughs> <laughs> what about Linux Mint Debian? Uh, I might give that a try. All right, that's a whole other topic. We need to put some music on and move on. Play some music. All right, I'm going to play some music. Thank you. 
we're back and we're headed down to the wire. We got another little short segment, a couple of feedbacks. We're going to cut up, blow our minds. We don't, I have no idea what we're going to do. Russ, Russ, save me. Take it away, brother. Okay. Well, this little segment is going to be very short because I just wanted to give everybody a little bit of a look into some ham radio applications for Android. Um, I'm not an Android user. I have an iPhone and I have an iPad, so I'm a freedom hater. I'll admit it. Bill doesn't have uh, any Android devices, and Richard doesn't either. However, we know there are ham radio operators out there who have Android devices, and we wanted to see, or I wanted to see, what kind of software was available for those people. Ooh, was that was that a self-satisfied lip smack? No, that was a fart. <laughs> Great. <clears throat> I knew I had the noise gate too loose. <laughs> I was talking about for me, not from you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Chicken. It does it to me every time. Great. <laughs> well, we can substitute chicken with badger. So I did a little bit of looking out on the Internet to see what kind of applications were available, and unfortunately it looks like the list of applications is pretty short right now for Android. Uh, that's, that's pretty disappointing as far as I'm concerned, although there aren't that many applications for iPhone or iPad either. Uh, there are a few, and we'll probably talk about those in a future episode. But I wanted to give a list of a couple of places um, that you might find some applications for Android. I will assume that all of these applications can be found in the Android marketplace for those of you who have Android phones. And if they can't, there are a couple of links that I have given to Bill and he's going to be kind enough to put those into the show notes. Yes, sir. That's right. And I knew I would get confirmation. That's why I paused. Okay. So here are a couple of things that I found. Uh, the first one is a call sign database. And I've actually found two applications that do call sign database lookups. One is called call sign DB, and the other one is just called HAM. Now, the one called HAM actually does lookups via QRZ, and it also does some condition prediction. Uh, so if you're looking to see, like, what the solar cycle is and maybe the maximum usable frequency for a particular band, uh, the ham application will do that for you. At least that's what I get from the documentation. I haven't actually tried it. Call sign DB, um, I'm not sure where it actually gets its data from, but once you do the lookup, it gives you a link to FCC.gov and the ULS and to QRZ.com, which presumably, presumably it will launch a browser and let you go see the data from those sites. Another application I found is HamSat Droid which is an Android application, which does satellite tracking, pretty straightforward. Um, it has a lot of satellites in it, basically just a few drop-down menus. You pick a satellite, you pick a time interval, and then you pick your home QTH, and it will plot on a world graph the path of that satellite. I found on a forum site, somebody had written an application which will find IRLP nodes for you, so you basically put in your QTH, and it will bring up a list of IRLP nodes near you. There's an application called DX Cluster for Android, which is pretty obvious what that does. It connects you to a DX Cluster server and lets you track DX contacts through a DX Cluster. 
There is an application called Amateur Radio Call Log, which will allow you to basically log your amateur radio contacts. I didn't see any screenshots or information on it. It's a uh, pretty simple application by its own description, so I wouldn't expect too much from it. And finally, there is an application that is uh, Echolink for Android, where you can connect to the Echolink network using your Android phone. I assume that works like Echo Mac or Echo Linux or the actual Echolink application. So even if you're not near a radio, you can make contacts by Echolink. So those are all the ones I found for Android so far. I'm sure there are other applications out there. And if you happen to have an Android device, make sure to go to the Marketplace and see if you can find any other applications. Uh, these should all be free and GPL. So anybody else have anything to contribute along those lines? Russ likes Echo Link. I use it. I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe we could go over and start a podcast. Oh, that was bad, wasn't it? <laughs> Actually, I was kind of looking at that last, uh, that, uh, what is it? Uh, Hamdroid Sat or something? Hamsat Droid. Mm-hmm. Hamsat Droid, yeah. Went over and took a quick look at that. That appears to be a real-time tracker. Well, that would make the most sense. I mean, uh, if you want to track satellites for communication, you definitely want that data to be live. It's not pulling in the data live, but the thing about uh, KEPS is that they're normally good for over a week without, with very little variation. And once the program is downloaded, it, this says it'll run in airplane mode and still continue tracking. So it's reading the data from the Keplerian elements and, uh, doing its computations from that. So that's how they all work. You just download the telemetry data files and then it does the prediction based on that data. Right, so energy consumption and actually speed of the device and that kind of stuff shouldn't suffer too badly. I mean, this, just the screenshots of it looks to be on par with most of the satellite tracking software that I've seen. Uh, I doubt you could probably track more than one satellite at a time with it, but hey, you know, that that's the thing that's going to get my attention is, is something like the satellite stuff. Couldn't be something simple like a CW programmer. Echo link on my telephone. Yeah, well, we'll we'll talk about the differences between these applications and the ones for the iPhone and iPad. We'll see how they stack up against one another in a future episode. So, uh, do you have any other uh, apps for Android, Bill, or any comments about the ones I mentioned? Uh, no, sir. Sorry, I can't uh, contribute much to this. It's really outside my expertise. Yeah, it's outside mine as well, but that's never stopped me from saying something. <laughs> that's right. The one thing about podcasting, especially this show in particular, is uh, we prove the fact that you really don't have to know what you're talking about to have a show. That is entirely true. And there you have it. In fact, most of the time, I'm not even sure what planet I'm on. Okay, so uh, we've gotten through that. Uh, maybe we can run through some email real quick, and then uh, we'll... Uh, Run everybody out of here. What do y'all think? Sounds like a plan to me. Uh, let's see what I've got. What I have over here be a, a piece of feedback on the website from KR4EY. KR4EY, who neglected to give us a name, but that's okay. He just wanted to, uh, let us know that no, Morse code is not dead. Uh, listen on the CW band sometime. 
you, I work 99% CW and still make many contacts almost every night. By the way, 30 meters is my favorite band. Well, uh, I believe that's probably the point we were getting at in, in the episode that we brought that up is that no, it's not dead. And in fact, it's getting more and more lively, uh, as we go along. And, uh, I'm glad to see it because I really thought it was going the way of the badger. Glad to hear more and more stuff going on. It's funny that it's more active now than, uh, than, uh, it was. And everybody was screaming about getting rid of it. You know, sooner or later, 20 years from now, people going to be wanting to bring it back as a, as a requirement. So, uh, what do you think about that one, Russ? I pretty much agree with you. I, I mean, I don't believe CW is dead. I think it's actually in experiencing a resurgence right now. Uh, a lot of people are using it as a, uh, they're using it sort of as an aggravation filter, keeping out the unwanteds, the undesirables. Uh, and the rest of us just happen to like chasing a little CW. It's a, it's a nice mode. It's an easy mode to use. It's not too difficult to learn. And it's actually pretty fun to, uh, do something other than just chit chat sometimes. Uh, you can avoid a little mic fright too by using CW, especially if you're doing it on a computer with, uh, FL Digi. Uh, and as far as 30 meters being his favorite mode, well, I haven't done a lot of 30-meter work except on Whisper, and I don't know how much work that actually is. So I'm glad he's experiencing 30 meters and uh, playing around with CW on 30 meters. I guess it is a pretty good band for DX. I've heard good things about it, but haven't spent a lot of time there. So um, The best thing about it is, is it's all digital and CW. There is no phone portion in the 30-meter band, so you don't have to listen to somebody talk about their gout. Well, you, you you might have to listen to it as uh they can talk about their gout as yeah you know I heard a guy on forty meters one day he talked for over an hour about his shingles. <laughs> there is yeah. nothing worth saying an hour about shingles. And I, Are they and, cedar shingles or what? I, I don't I, think I'm so. Thinking on it was if you wore a hat, he wouldn't have that problem. That's he's why we keep nice. you around, Richard. I don't he's even know what that now. means. He, he's a guy that used to run the 40-meter uh, uh, NTS net down here. That should be nice. Okay. Uh, so, Bill, do you have any comments about KR4EY, whose name, by the way, is Richard? Um, yes, it is. So do you have anything to say about uh, his email or his uh, post on the website, I should say? Um, no, thanks for the comment, Richard. We appreciate it, of course. And, uh, I agree. Morse code is not dead. If anything, it's getting, uh, more popular now that we don't have to do it. Exactly. And you've just created more work for Bill. He has to put you in the show notes now. There you have it. <laughs> okay. We've got one more and then I think we're pretty much done unless we have some, uh, announcements or something, but go ahead and, uh, read this last one, Richard, because it's, uh, it's all about you. I don't have it. You don't have it? No. The one from K K A one I O K? No. It was supposed uh, to call signs wrong, by the way. It is? I think so. I think it's supposed to be O I K. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? K one O I K. So obviously the name is wrong as well. <laughs> no, Bert is right. It is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't Wait. both be Bert, can they? Well there is no I O K. I looked it up. Never mind. He put I didn't have to go look that one up, that's why. I'm good like that. So, uh, so you don't have this one, but this was posted on the website, so surely you should have it. Our organizational skills are above reproach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, they're, they're above understanding. Uh, transductional mode in the matter curve. 
<laughs> Precisely. Okay, and this one's about you, and I have no idea what it's in reference to, Richard, so um, go ahead and answer this one any way you will. But it's from K1OIK, as I have been corrected, whose name is Bert, and his comment, this is strange because this comment came in from a site in the Netherlands. Now, that's not to say that Bert is not necessarily in the Netherlands, because I suppose he could be. It looks strangely like spam, but it's very specific It is if it is spam. So, Bert says, Russ is lost. Did I ramble there? I guess I did. Keep it in. <laughs> Bert says, Richard looks awful cute with that pink bow in his hair. And that's ah. all there is. So, um, I hope you have some reference to uh, guide you to the reason for that comment, Richard. So, go ahead. Well, I'd like to thank you for your comments on my pink bow. Uh, you should see where the pink ribbon is. Thank you so much for your lovely, lovely feedback. Yes. I don't recall you ever having a pink bow in your hair. Well, that's because you don't run video anymore. Andy wears a hat a lot. That's right, because I don't want people asking me about my shingles. Or the pink bow. Or the pink ribbon. I guess that's the real, the real mystery there. That would cause quite a stir. <laughs> Maybe the pink bow's for the badger. Ah. No, the ribbon's for the badger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess that's the title for this episode. Just, just me and Bert and Ernie and the Badger. <laughs> oh, and Jerry Mathers as the Badger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting silly now. <laughs> Jerry Taylor as the Badger, just so we can... Uh... No, let's leave Jerry alone. I'm going to try and talk him back into... Talk him into making a triumphal return. You can make you can make disparaging comments at the beginning of this podcast about a Christian holiday, and I say something semi nice about Jerry Taylor, and you're like, "No, we can't say that." Disparaging. I love Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. I know that Russell changed it to Happy Holidays because that's the kind of person he is. I love Christmas. In fact, I think atheists suck. And the only thing that sucks worse is fake Christians. Happy, merry, super duper Christmas. I hope that, that, no, I ain't even going to go with the religious banner. <laughs> I done been accused of preaching this week. So um, that would have come from me. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Get it out. <laughs> um, okay. All I'll right. Put my, look for my sermon on Facebook. I'm sure you broke up on this end, but I'm I'm sure we'll hear it when I get your uh, your side of the recording. I said, look for my sermon on Facebook. <laughs> Apparently, God doesn't want you to get out whatever you're trying to say, because every <laughs> time you say it, you fade out. <laughs> look for my sermon on Facebook. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm telling you, it, it's a piece of warp space-time. It's a transductional mode in the matter curve. I'm getting brownie, brownie in motion sickness as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie's in the space-time continuum. Yeah. Is he? Well, get That's him out. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. <laughs> okay. Well, why the hell is he in the space-time Go ahead. Y'all gonna Ooh, make me he's look really gone now. Yeah, he was having trouble. See how y'all are? Yeah, we see how we all are. Trans, uh-huh. Well, we'll let Bill get out of this train wreck first and give his information and anything else he wants to say before we wrap up. So go ahead, Bill. 
Chad Little. Very good. My name is uh, Bill, of course, call sign KA9WKA, and you can reach me as uh, through email via KA9WKA at LHSpodcast.info. Simple and straightforward, just like Bill. That's it. Yeah, I'm not on any of the uh, social media sites because I'm not very social or media. Okay, well, I'm going to jump in and do my bit first, and then Richard can just sign us off. So I'm Russ, K5TUX. You can find me on all the social networks that Bill's not on. Uh, you can reach me at K5TUX at LHSpodcast.info or info at LHSpodcast.info. Go ahead and contact the podcast. Leave us a comment on the website, LHSpodcast.info. And also check out LHSpodcast.info for all kinds of relevant information about the show. Order some LHS Podcast merchandise from over there. Check out where the live streaming feed is going to be, when we're going to air the live show. You can also leave us voice feedback at 417-200-4811. Make sure to select the option for Linux in the ham shack if we'd like to hear from you. So I think that's about it here for episode 52 of Linux in the ham shack. We want to thank everybody for tuning in live, everybody in the chat room. And thank everybody for listening who is going to show up later. And that's about all there is for me up here in Studio 1N, between the peaks, in the pine forest of north-central Arkansas. And I'm going to send it back down to Dallas, where Richard is going to say... Okay, and if you want to contact me, uh, you get a hold of me at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. Or look for me on the normal suspects on the social networks. You can find me at kb5jbv. And with that, I want to wish everybody a super, super happy Merry Christmas. Uh, hope you all spend lots of time with your family and everything just comes out most fantastic for you and you get everything that was on your wish list. And we will see y'all in a couple of weeks.